Live from the Tech Talk Studios in the nation's capital and the heartland of America, it's Tech Talk. Well, it's that time again. It's Friday. It's time for Tech Talk. I'm Brad Cost, my co-host, the one and only, the unique Dr. Jay Greenstein. Jay, I see you're you're somewhere. You're not in, at your home or office. Where are you at today? So I am in Hallandale Beach, Florida, brother. Hallandale Beach. That's where I'm at. I I'm, I don't know where that's at. Is that Miami area or or where is that? Yeah, so that's uh, it's like midway between Fort Lauderdale and Miami. It's right on the right on the ocean. So our our, our uh, guests can our, can see a little bit. That's the ocean right back there, the Atlantic. So yeah, that's where I'm at. My parents are moving to California, and so it's just time to get them out of this apartment. And so I moved them out today, which is always fun. Like moving is just like the best fucking thing you can do ever. So much fun. You got to do. Th- you got to do that about every ten years, just to clean your house out. Number one, and to make your to humble you, but. I have sworn I will never, yes. never move again. I never move personally again. There's going to be other people doing it if it, if it happens. So you're you're a good son, Jay. You're it's, a good it's, son. It's true. It's truly unbelievable how much crap people accumulate in their lives. It's unreal, and and I'm just yeah. as guilty of it. I mean, Courtney and I talk about it all the time. Like, oh my god, we got to get our this crap out of our house because it's just making us crazy. But yeah, it's all good. That's great. Love my parents. That's happy great. to do it. So happy yeah. done. Yep. Hey, we have a we have a very special guest today, and uh, why don't you introduce him? Let's get started down the road and and uh, get him introduced, and let's find out what he does. It is my pleasure. So today's guest is Mr. Jeff Lesher, and I've known Jeff now for well over a decade. He was actually introduced, I will never forget the day that we met, introduced by a mutual friend of ours, Derek Coburn. Uh, we ended up being founding members of the same entrepreneurial group together, and Jeff is uh, my personal coach. He is my f- very good friend, my mentor, and someone who has literally changed my life. So it's great to have Jeff here today because uh, he's going to share so much wisdom. Um, and so I'm excited to have you. Hey, brother. Glad you're here. I'm glad to be here. I've never heard of Hallandale Beach, Florida, or wherever the heck that is, but uh, you, are, you are a good son, and, uh, and that's an important thing to be. And when it comes to crap, you know, if we just think about this as, as a point of entry, we all carry around so much crap with us. Some is literal, some is figurative. And the more of it that we can recognize, number one, quarantine, and I use that term advisedly in the moment, number two, and ideally <laughs> dispose of number three, the better off we're going to be. If you ever saw the movie with George Clooney up in the air, he does the whole thing about the backpack and all the stuff that you put in the backpack. And it's weighing you down. And if you take the backpack off, you can run really fast. I love it. I love it, Jeff. What a great way to start the show. So, so Jeff, maybe you could just tell the audience a little bit about your experience. Um, and, you know, what, what drives you to do the work that you do every single day? Yeah, so yeah, somebody asked me recently, I have the privilege of working with a number of colleagues who are, we'll say, significantly younger than I am. <laughs> Uh, because that's a, an absolute fact. And one of my colleagues recently asked me, how did you get to where you are? 
And of course, the first thing I want to know is where the heck do you think it is that I am? So I can answer <laughs> that question. But, but, but then the answer was really, you know, I, I've taken a relatively serpentine course if you looked at it moving forward. But if you look at it from the perspective of where I am now, it all makes perfect sense. I've been working for money to make money since I was about eight years old, whether it was doing chores in the house, cutting lawns in the neighborhood, doing direct mail, which many of your listeners will not know what that is, but I used to get paid by the piece for sticking a label, an address label on a folder that would then get mailed. And, and I mentioned that element of my experience specifically because everything you learn, you can apply. So I worked in direct mail as a kid for you know a few cents per piece and then one of the jobs that i had that i created which is another story for the george washington university where i ran graduate programs in the school of business and public management for six years we started at a time when direct mail was still a thing we created these really fancy glossy folders and we sent them out to employers and prospective students and so forth and I was having trouble getting that stuff through our internal mailhouse. And when I called to find out about it, the guy told me, well, it takes a long time. And I said, well, here's the number of pieces going in, the number of pieces assembled I need going out, and I'll make you this bet. If I can move X number you know, per hour, and I'll do it in a 15-minute segment, then your team has to commit to meeting my deadline. And I was working out in Virginia where we had opened a campus. So I drove into Washington, D.C., where they are headquartered. And I went to the mailroom, and let's just say I blew that motherfucker out. Okay? <laughs> and it was great because not only was I not making this up, I wasn't just telling somebody to do something that I never tried to do myself. We were able to connect on a level of respect and also learning. So I shared a way to think about the possibility and to apply it that was productive for me and was productive for him and his team and ultimately productive for hundreds of students that we had come through our programs that learned about us through these fancy glossy folders. So that background fast forward to where I am today is really about helping organizations by helping the people who make up those organizations. Like organizations are not inanimate entities. They, they, they're, they're collections of people. And we help those people do what they most need to do, know what they most need to know in order to perform at the highest possible level to have the impact that they intend. And, you know, sort of sounds simple, but any of us have met people. Uh, we know that there's at least a lot of variance uh, in the channel, and, and we try to control for that. And I, that's what gets me excited. And look, when I have somebody who I really care deeply about, like Dr. J, say that I've had some influence in a positive way on his life, I carry that as a badge of honor, and it lifts me up out of my bed every day with a full heart. And I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, it's so true. I mean, you've You've changed my life. You've changed my world. You have helped me so much when it comes to the the, the leadership challenges that I've faced in in starting, growing, and running a, a set of companies. And and you've 
You know, it's interesting. I've heard you so many times. I watch your What's the Point Wednesdays. By the way, folks, you got to check out his video, What's the Point Wednesdays. It's great. It's five minutes of pure genius. Um, and, and, I'm always, and I'm always learning something. And the great thing about having you as my friend and my mentor is also that the repetition matters. Like, there have been times where Jeff has said to me something, and I'm like, I've heard that before, and he's told me before, but... I, like even the people on my team, we need repetition as human beings, and, and it, does, it does matter, and it does really, really help. Brad, um, you've just met Jeff for the first time today, but you know, you, you of course, you run a very successful company, but you, you're dealing with people. So I'm just curious yeah. to know, like, what are some of the leadership and management challenges that you've had over the years? Um, and I would love to get Jeff's thoughts on those. Yeah, Jeff and I were talking about that before you uh, logged into the studio and pre-studio a little bit. You know, he was describing all of this, and I said, Jeff, I think you're describing every business in America, the vast majority of them. You have people that you're dealing with employees, teams and staff and clients. So, uh, you know, for me, uh, starting out, I I worked at the university uh, in personal relationships. You just didn't have a lot of those at the moment in time, you know. Uh, it was only where I got into business that I realized there there is a networking thing that happens. There's You have to build those relationships. Matter of fact, today, out of all the businesses that I've started, I've been involved in, that I've bought, I've sold, it, it really boils down to personal relationships and relationships and understanding how to groom them and, and keep them alive. You You and I are a result of that also. You and I met, man, a long time ago in Arlington. Yep. And you didn't know really know me other than what you'd probably read or been told about me. And, you know, I took it upon you. You gathered in and we grew a relationship and network and it's a groom thing. So, you know, Jeff, I believe in everything that you said. I believe those things are very, very valuable points in a business. And and how can you let me ask you this question. How can you apply that uh, I, I understand how you can apply it, but tell the audience, how can you apply that in the healthcare industry? Much like what you did with Jay, I'm assuming. Well, so it depends on the angle of approach. So there are a couple of things that, that come to mind. Uh, I just had a graduation ceremony earlier today with a pediatric practice that I've worked with uh, in multiple stints. In other words, we work together for a period of time, then we take a break for some reason, and then I get called back in. And it, one of the reasons that we get called back in, we're going to take another break because they are so basically overwhelmed because of the volume of COVID uh, that, that they really need to, as I described it, you know, on your phone, when you're running your battery down, it goes into low battery mode or power mode. And it allows you to use the phone for essential functions, but you're not going to be playing, you know, uh, a game on the phone. I didn't want to go specific game, you know, and date myself. So we, we left the game part out. But they need to focus. But what they can't do is stop being leaders. So whether it's a medical practice or something else, it doesn't matter how good you are at your craft. They are all excellent pediatricians, but they need to lead their team to be effective at being a pediatric practice. And there's some specific things that they need to commit to. You know, the data, it's like we need proof of this. The data are resoundingly that interpersonal relationships 
are the most important thing in someone's job satisfaction. And the relationship between the individual and his or her supervisor is the most important interpersonal relationship. And the relationship exists whether you want it to or not. And however it actually is versus the way that they want it. Like there is a relationship. So you have the option and the opportunity to make that relationship really powerful. So that's one dimension is you got to run the business of a health practice because you got to bring in more money. Last time I checked, even for not for profits, you got to bring in more money than it costs you to run the joint to stay open and do the work that you do. And the second part of that very briefly is what's the relationship with the patient that they are in fact a customer. And I think the more expert we are in certain areas, the more we take for granted that people will come to us. It's like the old brick and mortar retail mindset, build it and they will come. And universities, by the way, having worked for one uh, are of the same mind. And it turns out that's not true. It turns out that at best there are, or at least I should say there are other places that they can go to and they will. But in reality, if we want to give them the best care, we have to care for them in a way that may go beyond just the technical expertise that you bring to the table. I love that. And I got to tell you, Jeff, when I was growing my practice, um, you know, it was years before you and I had met, you know, I think I was a good clinician. I, I worked and I, and I studied and I uh, got, you know, postgrad degrees in sports and all that good stuff. And I was a good clinician. Like that, that got me to a certain point. But I say this to my team all the time. I'm like, one of the reasons why I was so successful is because the people, the person standing in front of me knew I fucking really gave a shit about them. Like that I really fucking cared. And that like, I, if I couldn't help them, they would know it, but they knew I, I would do anything possible to try and help them. And I would also be very honest with them. If I couldn't help them, I would try and find them the place where they could be helped. And that was, that was, I think, one of the main reasons, if not the main reason, why I was able to grow, you know, my practices when I was seeing patients every single day. So, like, I, I completely align with that, and I talk to my team about it all the time. Because in the whirlwind, sometimes it can be easy to forget that human component. You know, you're doing your best to try and f help fix that person, and sometimes we just miss that emotional connection, which is, like, critically important. Yeah. Well, yeah, Jay, and, let's get... You know, you, Go ahead, Jeff. No, go ahead. You know, so I, just one thing that, that he said that I, I want to pick up on, because uh, this actually came up. We had a little back and forth about his most recent two-minute drill. And we, we were talking about outcomes, and the quality of the outcome is really based on the expectation of the person for whom the outcome is being facilitated. And so, you know, part of what we need to know, whether it's as a clinician or a supervisor or just a good person is, what's important to you? What are you trying to accomplish? Uh, I was a soccer player for a long time, and uh, in my early 40s, I, I suffered an ACL tear. And I went to see an orthopedic surgeon that was recommended, and the guy said, and I was 42 years old, the guy said, well, basically, and I'm paraphrasing slightly, if you, if you only want to walk straight ahead for the rest of your life and play golf, you'll be fine. And I said, well, but I don't. You know, I'd like to go back to playing soccer, among other things, so apparently you're not the right surgeon for me. Like, I, to me, that was just a ridiculous option. And yeah. then more recently, and I'm no longer 42, FYI, I discovered that I had a hernia, and the, the first thing the surgeon that was recommended to me said was, we got to get this fixed so that you can get back to your active lifestyle. 
And I'm like, this guy not only comes with a reputation of skill, but he gets his audience. He didn't even have to ask me, he knew. And so that's what Jay embodies and what he's describing. And I don't want people to miss that there is a layer to that, you know, really caring. You got to care about what's important to them. Great point, Jeff. That's, Thank that's you. I so, love that. Yeah, those are great points. And let's take a quick break. I want to come back and ask you about the different types of relationships. You mentioned the one, Jay, you were talking about a real relationship that you really gave a crap. You know, that's a part of a one type of relationship, but I'd like to hear Jeff's opinion on some of that when we get back. Let's take a break. You're listening to Tech Talk. I'm Brad Kost, our co-host, Dr. Jay Greenstein, our guest, Jeff Lashier. Thank you very much. We'll be right back. Listen to the future of healthcare with the data jocks of talk. It's Tech Talk. As a Cairo Health USA provider, we're excited to work with you to identify which of your discounts are good, bad, or illegal. Most chiropractors bend over backwards to make their care affordable. Unfortunately, dual fee schedules, false claims, inducement violations, and time of service discounts can all put you at risk. And no offense, everybody's doing it doesn't work with auditors. At Cairo Health USA, we're here to help protect and grow your practice. Just listen to our provider stats. 20% overall practice growth versus 2019. Over 50% of CHUSA patients renew their membership year after year. Over 2,500 patients per month use our provider's search directory to find a CHUSA provider. At Cairo Health USA, our purpose is simple. It's to improve the quality of life for our doctors, their teams, and their patients. With over 5,000 providers and nearly a million patients, Cairo Health USA is the network that works for chiropractic. For more information, call 888-719-9990 or visit www.chirohealthusa.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Tech Talk. I'm Brad Koss, my co-host, Dr. Jay Greenstein. Uh, today, we're talking with Jeff Lesher about uh, about relationships in a business. And uh, Jeff, w- when we left a while ago, Jay was talking about a relationship that he had at, with patients that, you know, he gave he gave a crap about patients and, and he thinks and believes, and I do too, that his patients believe that. He's got that type of personality. But there are all kinds of relationships, both in business, personally, uh, on a team, with employees. And, and I think it's important. Give me your opinion and tell me, talk a little bit about all of those different types of relationships and, and how they can grow, what's appropriate, how do we make them better? Yeah, it's a big, it's a big area. One, one way to think about this is we don't want to have a relationship with everybody or every kind of somebody. And there is a really good article, not that recent anymore, in the Harvard Business Review called Stop Delighting Your Customers. And the essence of the article is to understand that great business, and again, I'm going to stick with the idea that medical and healthcare practice is business just as much as anything. It just involves a, a different provision of service and maybe a different level of import. So the more important, the more important the relationships. But if, if Jay's just in the traditional chiropractic and rehab type of approach, 
if he has people who either suffer an injury in a particular way, or I think more fundamentally aren't committed to the process of getting better in the way that his team is committed to applying the science to get them better, then they shouldn't get into the relationship at all. The best relationship to have with those pr prospective patients is to not have a relationship. Because in most instances, and, and this, this is really broadly applicable, when we make the mistake of looking the other way at not only the red flags that exist, but that are being waved in front of our faces back and <laughs> forth, we lose. Everybody in that scenario loses. And what's really weird about that is too often we lose over an incredibly protracted period of time. It's like when you, when you uh, double date with the couple that can't stand each other and you're like, why are these people still together? And they're making everybody miserable, themselves and everybody around them. And that's what the wrong relationships, whether it's an employee relationship, patient relationship, whatever, a customer relationship, my, my best advice, honestly, Brad, is don't get into the relationship at all. If you understand what good is in a relationship, then test for those criteria, require that they're met reasonably, and then move forward, either with that person or without that person. Man, you know, just, I, I had, great stuff. I had I to learn it. that in business. I had to learn that in business. I, uh, I got involved in a business that was a sleep disorders clinic and an imaging company with two other people. And uh, one was, it just was, I, I was sort of the financial party involved. And it was, it was a two or $3 million investment. And my banker kept just saying every month, I, I was having to go to these other two and say, dude, write me a check, write me a check, write me a check. And he knew that it brought a lot of pain to me because I don't, I don't want to do that. You know, if you make a commitment, you need to be writing that check on the 28th of every month and making that payment. And it was a serious, serious payment. And finally, my banker said, Brad, I want to take you to lunch. And, uh, you know, he said, my dad used to tell me life is too short to dance with an ugly woman. And I, I couldn't. Jim, how are you trying to relate this? And he's saying, you're in a relationship in business with somebody you don't want to dance with or is far too ugly for you to be dancing with. Get out. Get off of the dance floor. You should have never got into it. And I learned that lesson. And today, I don't get into partnerships. I don't get into businesses with people that I don't trust, that are unprofessional, that don't reflect the same images uh, that I do. I just don't do that. And, and I think that's sort of what you're talking about. Don't same thing can apply to a marriage. D look for those red flags. Don't get into it. Don't jump into it just because it's business. And Jay, I bet in your profession, that would be hard for a lot of Kairos to push business away because it's, it's not a good fit and it's not a good relationship. Yeah. Um, I think you're right, Brad. I think it's not easy for a provider to say no to a patient, period. One, because they want to help. Um, but two, because there's, you know, there's a financial interest in it, right? You're going to make more money if you're seeing more patients right. typically. So I would agree with you. It's not an easy thing to do. And, um, but I, I, Jeff is, you know, as always, on point. Because you know those patients when they walk through your door. And you know those patients when you're doing the history with them. And you know that they're, they're, they are not going to be the right fit for you. And in fact, I'll give you a, a very quick example. We had a patient like that who is not really the perfect fit for us. 
Um, maybe our clinic director didn't realize it at the time, but that person ended up leaving a really bad review. Now we get lots and lots of really phenomenal reviews, but because it wasn't the right fit, it was, it was a stain on our brand. And, and I feel bad for the patient because she didn't have a good experience and we could have, we could have helped her find a good experience elsewhere in a place that wasn't like ours. So Jeff, and when you have, and just, you know, the footnote that when you have, I mean, there's, there's not just philosophy to this, there's economics to this. And the opportunity cost of expending a ton of energy, time, resources on the wrong people is, you know, is, is actively counterproductive. Like you're not able to take on the good patients and you also put your team at risk when you invest their resources in working with you know, the ones that just, if we're being polite, don't fit. And in so many cases are toxic. They have this active corrosive effect and it, it, it costs you something. So you're looking at it through one end of the telescope, if you will, and seeing the potential for revenue and assuming profit. And I'm looking at it from the other end and saying, it's costing you the time, energy, and resources to get more of the right people in who will be profitable in the way that you want them to be. Yeah, I think this applies not just to patients, Jeff, but but maybe maybe even more so, but at least as much as it relates to the people that we hire and bring into our culture. And you helped me through a very challenging time. I had someone who was with me a very long time. He's he's I consider him a very good friend. Um, and and we worked and we built the company together for a period of years. And but at a certain point, things were going south. And, you know, you were able to help me quickly realize and I think him over time realize that, okay, you can still love each other, but that doesn't mean that it's going to be a good fit together. So maybe I know that you've had so many experiences. You even said this is a this is like a five star diamond subspecialty of yours. You're like the 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 Yoda uh, or the Obi-Wan of this particular issue. Um, I know there's a lot of docs out there because I, 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 I see them and I talk to them when I'm at these conferences and, and they have these challenges with letting go of, of the people that might not be in the right seat or even on the bus anymore. So maybe you could just share your knowledge about that. Yeah, there's, there's wisdom. It, it, wisdom. Is deep, it is a deep area. I like being compared to Yoda since I'm wearing kind of olive here. You know, so <laughs> I, I You're much more I, handsome now. I should speak in some sort of reverse grammatical way, uh, you know. <laughs> do or do, do not do. There is no try. There's no try. Um, That's my favorite quote. So, so, so part of it is, and, and Brad likely has encountered this and maybe even heard this expression, in, in entrepreneurial businesses, there's, there are two cycles. The first cycle where you hire your friends and the second cycle when you fire your friends. And the firing of the friends is usually when you're either reaching the level of success that you intended or uh, you know, evolving into the next stage of the business. And what, what happens is, you know, we were talking at the beginning of this about helping to move your parents and the stuff that we accumulate. We tend to value the things that we've had for a long time as though they have the value today that they had then. And that, you know, the clothes that we bought 20 years ago may still be in style, or as my mom always encourages, they could come back into style and you don't <laughs> want to be caught having gotten rid of something that you now have to go and buy. Uh, I think I have a pretty good idea, by the way, in the category of fashion for things that are never coming back, at least for me. So I'm just going to go. You, you, you do wear it well, that. brother. You wear it well. <laughs> but 
But with our people, we, we are, and, and this is, says a good thing about us, we are attached to them emotionally. And that causes us to lose the clarity of vision. And, and importantly, not just for what is best for us and our business, but what's best for them. I mean, this is something that Cameron Harold wrote about in his book, Double Double, and most people could really relate to, that the person who is suffering the most in the circumstance of bad fit, either because they shouldn't been in the role at all or the time for them being in that role or in the organization or both has passed, is that person. And the person, and you'll remember that in this arc that you described, so this is what happens. I, I, I'm, an, I'm a trained professional, don't try this at home. I can come in and in a very short amount of time know that somebody's gots to go, right? They, 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 they need to be got. And the question becomes, how do I help the decision maker, usually the executive owner, whomever, make that decision and do so in a way and then execute in a way that is humane, that respects dignity and you know, really is thoughtful uh, in, in all regard? And, and, and then have that conversation. And sometimes it's a trial and error, but I can't rush them to that point. I can only help sort of guide them towards it. But it needs to be recognized based on, again, what the needs of the business are in the moment and moving forward. And, and then when it is ultimately expressed to the individual uh, most affected by this, they are the least surprised and the most appreciative. And we had the, the moment that I was thinking of, we, we had a dinner together. And we've been talking about this for a while. We talked about it together. We talked about it individually. I had meetings with him. And there was a very emotional moment where I just think it really set in that he realized that this particular chapter in his life was over. And by the way, I was in a Whole Foods not all that long ago, standing at the deli counter, and somebody came up behind me and said something to me. And I turned, and it was him and his wife. <laughs> and I love it. we had a very nice conversation. And he looked fantastic. And it sounded like the work that he's doing now is very fulfilling. Yep. And it's like awesome. And it's so often the case not to make light of all the the effort and agony that goes into making these decisions and in carrying them out. They are painful. They are painful. But when we see that person a short time after, they always look better. They do. And the people who are suffering in advance of that is everybody. Yeah. And so the only way to end that cycle of suffering is to be real and honest and make it work in a respectful, dignified way. And, and you did that. And, and I've had the great privilege of working with a number of other leaders who have done that, too. And I would encourage the audience to go back and listen to this segment again. I think it's so important. And I think what you how you described it, Jeff, is just so well said. And like you're right, it is painful. I mean, I, I just you talking about it and just bringing up the dinner like made me emotional. Like I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, and, and, and I think you're right. It, I, I, w I think I'm emotional today because of how hurt and how um, how frustrated and how challenging it was for him. And then for him to get out of that role and do something new and different and great, and he's crushing it and he's just enjoying himself and he does look great because I saw him a couple months ago. We went to dinner together. It's just it's it's a it's a blessing. So 
Um, for those of you that are listening at home that have some of these. And by the way, this, this guy we're talking about looks way, way better than either Jay or I. <laughs> yeah, he lot. talks way better. <laughs> he's like Hollywood good looks. He's, he's, he's a stud. Um, but anybody who's dealing with these challenges, I would encourage you to take Jeff's advice and, and, and take the story that we're, that we're sharing with you to heart because it can make a huge difference in your life and most importantly, the life of people on your team. That's so an amazing. That's a great story. That's a great story, Jay. I I uh, have been in some of the similar kind of scenarios. Letting somebody go for me because I'm I'm very human relatable. I I love people. It's it's a hard thing to do. It's it's like breaking up a little bit, you know. And uh, I I don't enjoy that. But I I have found and told myself to take the mentality that you want your employees or your team to always do better in life. Hopefully they're going to do better for you and stay part of your organization and make it that way. But that also can go down a pathway where they leave you for them to be better. And if you really care about humans and life, you have to adopt that attitude because you, you don't know the past all the various paths that are out there to go down. And if yep. you think that there's a singular path, you're setting yourself up for a lot of heartache in life and employees and relationships and friends. Um, you know, and that's why I said there's a, there's got to be separate relationships here. Uh, some evolve from business. Some evolve from friendships on the outside. But when you bring that down to business, business is business and you got to treat everybody in a way jay and i think you and i are a lot alike when it comes to our teams and our staff what we would do for them to be in an advanced way and to better themselves you and i think a lot alike i believe but a lot of people struggle with that or a lot of them are cut and dry you know i know a lot of business guys you know they can let go of somebody and it just be nothing to them and uh I don't, I don't understand that my, myself. I, I just don't understand that. How can you well, grow a successful business with that mentality? You know, that's the key. Well, and, and, and you probably can't or can't sustain it as well as, as others can because that's transparent to people. You know, you'll, you'll give as much as you believe you're going to get. I mean, Dan Pink wrote about this in 1995 in his book, Free Agent Nation, is that the employee-employer relationship has fundamentally changed now that we know that we're, we don't have employment for life. But as long as, as an employee, I feel like I'm getting enough back, I'm willing to put as much as I can in. And that's what we stoke in these sort of soulless uh, as I like to call them, soulless hellholes, which are, uh, you know, a lot of organizations where we really view people as, as somebody said in a law firm that I was part of years and years ago, fungible entities referred to human beings with great educational skill whose time was billed at hundreds of dollars an hour as fungible entities and needing to improve the quality of the gene pool. You know, and my reaction to that was, are you serious? And the reality was he was serious. And not surprisingly, that firm didn't manage to keep itself together over a long period of time. Um, and he actually went from being a law firm partner to a district court judge, which is a, uh, you know, a noteworthy position, but, um, you know, not, not really the same deal and not responsible really for many other people. But, you know, Brad, without poking too much literal uh, fun at this, you know, you use the uh, analogy before of, of dancing with the ugly woman. And, and it's a curious <laughs> thing because, 
Uh, uh, well, and, and so what I would say is, so first of all, what's attractive to us it varies, number one. Number two is, if she can dance or he can dance and I'm really there to dance, how much do I really care what he or she looks like versus that they can dance? But if I'm looking for pretty, then I don't care if they can dance at all. Like we can fake it, you know, and, and get through that. So my, my point in sort of reflecting that back is, unless or until we define the criteria of what matters and then can assess who fits best into that, it's hard to have appropriate productive relationships. And when we do create that definition, man, then, then we really know what we're doing. And those kinds of business leaders that you refer to, see, in my experience, they don't know what they're doing. They're, they're just, you know, wheeling, dealing based on, I got to get somebody in here to do something better, but I don't really know what that is. I don't know how it is. I don't know what they would do. I don't know how to determine it, but I'm, so I'm just going to churn it and I'm going to leave it to them to figure it out. And sometimes they win and sometimes they lose. But if I want to play that game, I'll go to a casino, not run a business. Yeah, so you're funny. right. Jeff that, that's what I was trying to reply. It was one of I'm the defining moments right in my life uh, where it was yeah, the biggest, one of the biggest learning experiences that I had was you've got to look for all of that ahead. You've got to set that criteria, uh, criteria to you, to use your analogy before you get into that relationship. And, and before that young, you know, a little bit of inexperience of, of multi-million dollar kind of businesses. And it was just, I learned and uh, I look at it in a totally different way today. That's right. I don't know if you guys heard me, I cut out, but like as Jeff, you were talking, I was thinking about a, a, a very specific situation that I'm dealing with right now that I'm probably not handling very well. Um, and I was like, okay, reach out to Jeff, got to talk to Jeff about this situation because um, that, that clarity and expectations, I talk about it all the time with my team and for their teams. But um, when new circumstances come up that don't necessarily look the same, um, sometimes you, you, know, you need a little bit of help and support. So, um, so I'm, glad that you, uh, I'm glad that you just said what you said because it reminded me I needed to talk to you. Um, Brad, I know yeah. we got to take a break, but when we come back, um, I got, I got some questions for Jeff. I'm going to put him on the hot seat. We'll do that. You're listening to Tech Talk. I'm Brad Cost, Dr. Jay Greenstein. Hi, I'm Dave Klein, co-founder and director of business development for PayDC, the chiropractic industry's leading developer of cloud-based integrated practice management software. PayDC is fast, easy, and affordable to use. PayDC will significantly help you improve your practice in three main areas. Number one, it will help you reduce the amount of time needed for training. Number two, it will help you increase your revenues, both from insurance companies and your patients. And number three, the system is based on federal law, improving the quality of your documentation and helping you tell a better story of how you care for your patients. Hey everybody, this is Dr. Jay Greenstein. This is Jay Greenstein. With me today is Dr. Jay Greenstein. Dr. Jay Greenstein. The world around us and healthcare specifically is changing at an exponential pace. Chiropractic is perfectly positioned like we have never been right now today to be more successful and to be more impactful for the communities and patients that we serve. There are all sorts of evidence-based guidelines that, that support the use of non-pharmacological approaches. But what I want America to know is that health doesn't come from a pill. It's our responsibility as healthcare providers to educate the community about the evidence that exists. We 
we really need to have a private practice app, something that will help us engage with our patients in ways that they've never experienced before. The intersection of technology and quality care is where the future of healthcare is at, and I'm really excited to bring that forward in the future. Welcome back. You're listening to Tech Talk. I'm Brad Koss, my co-host, Dr. Jay Greenstein. We've been talking with Jeff. Jeff, um, you you run a very uh, successful consulting business, and typically we take this segment and let people understand exactly how to get hold of you, uh, what your sort of mantra is in this business. We've been talking about it through the whole show, but if there were some points that you could drill down to to uh, for a minute or so, and then typically we ask you some questions after that. If you wouldn't mind doing it, just sort of focus everybody on what is it that you do, how they can get hold of you. Uh, is there a web address they can go to to learn more about you? Sure. Well, I'll start with the, the company. So our organization is called Shift, S-H-I-F-T, Shift. And our website is shiftthework.com. And there's a lot of information on the website, some resources and so forth. And you know, we're always updating and changing and evolving. So I think that's, that's a good destination. The other one that I would plug is I actually co-host and executive produce a podcast called Inevitable, The Future of Work, which is in fact about the future of work, but really with a focus on what's happening now that we need to be aware of, adapting to, et cetera, in order to be relevant in the future because the future is inevitable and the question is are you and that website is don't go anywhere we'll be right back and you can check it out if you like it maybe you want to subscribe etc we we have interesting and similarly uh, uh, light-hearted at times and and hopefully energizing conversations we think about our listeners as activators people who directly and through others make stuff happen and fundamentally, you know, to answer the broader question, I mean, that's, that's what I help organizations do, usually through the funnel of leadership. You know, in organizations, the amount of leverage that you have is relative to the role that you play or must play. So if you have a title like CEO, you better darn well be visioning, you better be outward facing, you better be building networks that are both internal and external, etc. You could be anybody within an organization that in some facet of your job play that kind of role. But here's the math on that. And this goes back to research that was begun uh, in the late 60s by a couple of then Harvard professors who wanted to know what makes people most valuable over time. And what they eventually determined was they fundamentally changed the way in which they do their work. And the reason that that's so important is that as individuals, if we think about the amount of value that we can create, it's a one-to-one -one relationship. Now, in some cases, that Y equals V, you equal the value, that can be bigger. Like, Brad, you're just smarter, you got more resources, whatever, the contribution you can make is bigger than mine, but it's still limited by the fact that you're one person. When you directly supervise people or work with people in a way that respects that we want to help contribute through others. So you have to be in that mode if you're a manager, you can be in that mode regardless. The value that you create is a multiple of you times the number of people you directly influence. And as a leader, 
when you can sponsor that, in other words, you can turn managers into people who are creating those multiples, your contribution is an exponent. And so trying to get people to that manager level of multiple value and occasionally leader exponential value, that's what we help people do. And it comes down to really straightforward things that most people say, I know that, I do that, I've heard of that, I read about that, somebody once worked with me who did that, great. Are you doing it as well as possible, as consistently as possible, as easily as possible? And the answer is 100%, just like you said, it sounds like any business out there, nobody is really doing that all the time, even the ones who are really focused and dedicated on it, because to Jay's point, it's not what we do, it's what we also do. And so the value that we create it costs you very little, like seriously. I'll just give you a little economics on this. The way in which we work with most organizations is about the level of no more than a highly priced full-time executive. And in most cases, less than that. And the question for an organization has to be, is it worth it for you to invest $120,000, which is what I would call a mid-level role in most high-level organizations to be consistently, sustainably better through intent, through clarity, and through quality of execution? And if the answer is no, then you're crazy. And if the answer is yes, then call me up through shiftthework.com and let's get going. <laughs> I love it, dude. I love it. What a so pitch. I'm going to do some rapid-fire questions. Yeah. I want to do, do a rapid-fire rapid fire questions. Ready, Jeff? Yep. Okay. Question number one, what's the number one biggest mistake that you see leaders make? <laughs> wow. Um, it's not telling people around them the truth uh, that they need to hear. They tell me uh, and they have to be coached to tell them. Love it. Um, so when you coach them to tell them, uh, can you give us just a little snippet of what that looks like? And I know there's so many scenarios, but, you know, rapid fire, a snippet of you talking to a leader about, how to have those conversations. Yeah, so I, I had a conversation today with, with a great client who needs to have a conversation with a very senior member of his team. <clears throat> Not the first conversation he's had with him, by the way, who basically showed up at a meeting recently and was a dick. And we have been trying to help him de-dickify for a long <laughs> period of time. And he's had a pretty good run, but he's back to his old tricks. And so the question, that I want the leader to ask of his team member is, what were you hoping to accomplish by sharing that feedback when you did the way you did? And the reality is, is that he was trying to accomplish some things in all likelihood that are okay, but he went about it in not only an unproductive way, but a counterproductive way. And so it's really just helping the leader commit to the conversation and to plan to have it in a way that draws the other party into responsibility. I'm not telling you something. I'm asking you something to better understand, and then I'm going to help you use that to move forward because they're committed to keeping this guy as part of their team. We've already had that conversation. And so how do you do that productively and that also is not destructive because he has a negative impact on others? 
Yeah, I, I can see where that that situation is going to go because, like like we were talking about earlier, we you know where that's going to go ultimately. It never turns out the way that people want it to when it's not a good fit or when it's not the right person who, you know, who's a dick. Um, but but last rapid fire question for you, Jeff. Um, we we started this conversation early on talking about the different types of relationships that we have, and so I'm curious to know even for myself, you know, there's you can be, you can become extremely close with the people that you work with, and especially the people that you, if you're the owner, the people that you supervise and manage. So how do you find that balance, right? How do you find the balance of being somebody's friend and they're being, them being your friend and also being able to like having to lay down the law, provide feedback, et cetera. I mean, I have my own thoughts on it, but I would love to hear what you, what you, yeah. what you say. So, you know, for a long time, I shied away from using parental and marital analogies to business. Um, it's inappropriate. It's patronizing. It's something that's negative. And the reality is it's, it's spot freaking on more often than not. Hmm. So I've been married for a long time. Uh, I, I have an amazing partner in life who I don't deserve. And the reason that we not only are still together, but we're, we both believe that our relationship is better than it's ever been is we are respectfully honest with each other. And that includes sometimes sharing information about what's bothering us about the other or what we are looking for from the other that we may not feel that we're getting, but not to do so in a way that is blaming and not to do so in a way that even sets an expectation of their response as much as let's just have the conversation. So to your point, do we attach ourselves? Do we feel close? I mean, I told you I had this graduating sort of meeting with a client that I've, I've worked with off and on. I've already left them three times. This is the fourth separation. It still makes me cry a little bit. I mean, partly because I'm an emotional guy, but also because I do care that deeply. And I believe they care that deeply in response. But if you love someone, not only can you set them free, like Sting saying, but you can actually tell them what they need to hear in a way that they can hear and feel supported in. And honestly, many times over the last several years, people have said the number one thing that they value in me is my ability to tell them something that they need to hear in a way that doesn't feel bad and that actually helps them get better. Yep, I've, I've had that experience many times, my friend, so I, I, I completely agree with that statement. All right, that was some good rapid fire, brother. Brad, we're gonna talk college football? I know we only got a few minutes left. And can can yeah, I just I, note that, that I went as an undergrad to the University of Virginia, so I don't even know who we're playing because it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got a question I want to ask Jeff that I don't think we brought up is, Jeff, you've got a lot of amazing uh, information and um, process here, but where did you get that? What's your education? What's your background? How did you get to the point you are today? Yeah, well, so a little bit of it was what I was alluding to earlier, which is a lot of different things. Like I've been fundamentally a sales guy in a lot of different roles. Um, Radio Shack. You know, I learned a lot about different industries. I'm kind of a quick study. Uh, I can gain credibility well. Um, but as far as education, as an undergraduate, I double majored. Uh, government was the major I thought was valuable because I was going to go to law school. And then I, I majored in something at Virginia at the time, which sadly doesn't exist anymore, called rhetoric and communication studies. And the reason that it doesn't exist anymore is people wanted to come to the school and study broadcasting. 
But what rhetoric and communication studies helps you understand is audiences, audience types, small, large, you know, more educated and not, and the means through which to engage those audiences, hugely valuable and totally misunderstood in the marketplace. And then later, after having a lot of experience working for uh, or within organizations of some consequence, I, because I worked for a university, I took advantage of going to graduate school essentially for free, and I got a master's in organizational management. Um, and that was helpful, but it mostly validated that a lot of the stuff I had learned along the way made sense. Today, I just I try to read a lot, you know, uh, and educate myself. There's so much great stuff out there you can drown in it, but if you can pull a thread or two from a lot of different things and weave it into a fabric that suits the needs of you as my client or somebody asking me for assistance, then you've done something valuable with the knowledge. And you know, one of the things I'd like to do is to write a book to encapsulate some of these things, but I don't want people to ever read the whole book. I want them to find something in there that resonates with them and use that and be the association they have with my book and have a bunch of associations with other books as well. Well, Jay, it's we've come to the end of the conversation and it's it's fall, it's football season. Tell me, what what are your Buckeyes going to do this weekend? I, they're, they're playing one of the worst teams in college football, which is Akron. They're not starting their their starter. Their starting quarterback oh, is not. He's going to sit. C.J. Stroud is sitting. So they're going to get some of the younger guys in there. But look, man, we're a young team, and um, we got we got some growing up to do. But um, it's still football, and I love it. But I'm, I don't. My expectations are not as big as they were last year. Who do you guys play? We play Kansas State, um, and you know Kansas State. I think was rated this week in top 25 but we i was looking at the odds this morning while i was at the physical therapist and and we we are favored to win that game i hope that's not a bullseye on us it's a home game we're headed there we're going to make a weekend of it uh go over on friday and stay through sunday morning Uh, i've got a board meeting saturday before the game that we're going to do there and and just Kendra and I take time and go back to Stillwater and and uh, reconnect with our old roots there and eat out some and and just sort of have a weekend of tailgating and, and good times. So we're looking forward to uh, we've got a host uh, uh, a group in the business suite this uh, this weekend that's making a donation to Kendra's pet therapy group. So we're uh, we're excited awesome. to do that and looking forward to that and uh, you know it it is it is what it'll be but it's college football like you said. And I love it. Uh, and it's it's even fun when you're in. It's more fun when you're in person and you're there. Hopefully COVID, yeah. COVID maybe down a little bit, but we try to keep our distance in that process anyway and, and uh, stay safe. So, But anyway, <laughs> thank you for joining us for the last hour. Jay, buddy, stay safe. I uh, hope everything goes well with your yeah. mom and dad and uh, travel back safe. Thank you. And we're going to see each other here in a couple weeks. Uh, if not, we'll be back at the Tech Talk next week. And um, to everybody out there, stay safe. Have a great week. Enjoy the weekend. Uh, I'm Brad Koss for my co-host, Dr. Jay Greenstein. Have a good day.